Welcome to Biota Live. I'm Tom Barbelay, and this is a continuation of the Biota Podcasts. For more information on the Biota Podcasts, check out biota.org slash podcast. We have our first caller. Good evening, Tom. It's Travis Sabo. Hello, Travis. Good to talk to you this evening. As you know, we have some news and notes, and then we can get into this evening's topic. Next episode, Friday, September 12th at 8 p.m. Pacific, Larry Yeager. Now, for folks who aren't familiar with Larry Yeager, he's appeared both in the Biota 2 audio and also at the conclusion of Bruce Damer's London Graysum presentation. But Larry Yeager is just an amazing fellow. The earliest bio information I have on him puts him working with Jim Henson on Labyrinth. He developed Polyworlds, he worked at Apple, and now he's at Indiana as an academic, one of the pioneer academics teaching artificial life currently. So it's going to be amazing to have Larry on next week. I know we're going to probably have a packed list of callers who want to call in and ask Larry a topic, but just to prep you all, Friday, September 12th at 8 p.m. Pacific, Larry Yeager will be on the podcast. And Larry has amazing contact with regards to the early informative artificial life community. I mean, people like Carl Sims, Tom Ray... Chris Langton. I mean, Larry was amongst all of them, and as came through in the London Graysum audio, he has a lot of background to offer in terms of stories and things that you probably wouldn't hear reading a history of artificial life. I'd like to send a congratulations out to Biota alumni Dave Kerr for getting married this week to Margaret. Congratulations to them both. I'm hoping Dave will call in at Biota Live sometime. I know he's in Canada, but maybe we'll hook him up with a, a Skype connection so he can get a call in and chat with regards to some topics. Well, last week I announced Biota Live Lite, and within a day or so I'd already set up an iTunes account. So if you're listening to this podcast and you'd prefer to listen to a low-bandwidth version or even better, something that divided the news and notes from the main topic, Biota Live Lite is for you. Now, I've only had a single piece of feedback, and that was at extremely slow speeds. There are some issues with regards to downloading. So if you're subscribed to Biota Live Lite and you're having any issues, please get in contact with me, Tom at NobleApe.com, because this really allows for dial-up folk and folk that have reduced bandwidth issues to get the Biota podcast in a format which enables them to listen to. So I've had some questions and a lot of email this week about uh, the Biota CDs and where some of the traffic associated with the Biota podcast is coming from, particularly because there's been a kind of upsurge in correspondence as folks who've listened to previous news and notes will find. Well, the feedback that I've received so far is that Floss Weekly has been the main source for getting people subscribed to the Biota podcast in, in recent months. I have no real feedback yet on the CDs, and I think if you look at about 30,000, probably 40,000 folks, to listen to Floss Weekly versus the CDs as they're slowly getting out and slowly making way into people's hands and uh, hopefully into people's CD slash DVD drives, you kind of get an impression about where the listeners may be coming from. We have a second caller. This is Joe. Joe, wonderful to have you on the call. We're just doing the news and notes currently, and then we'll get into this evening's topic. All right. So, Graysum related news. I had in previous weeks been reading out the various Graysum chapters. You can go back and listen to a, a previous Biota Live in order to hear all the chapters, but I have three special requests. A request from Osha Yadgar, who heads up the Graysum Silicon Valley San Francisco chapter. They're looking for a presenter at the end of September. So if you're based in the Bay Area or if you are going through the Bay Area towards the end of September, please contact me, tom at noble8.com, and I'll forward you on to Osha immediately 
So you can have the opportunity to talk at a Grayson meeting. The previous Grayson meeting wasn't taped, unfortunately. However, I understand that Al Lundell may be back and will certainly be filming if he is back, and potentially also Bruce Damer as well. In addition, uh, two Greytham chapters that are looking for organising committees currently. This is folk who, in the case of Greytham London, may have already attended a Greytham, or just people in London who are interested in artificial life and would like to assist with the setting up of a, a Greytham chapter in terms of regular folk coming in and giving presentations. So the two locations are Greytham London, which has had, I think, three or four meetings already, and Greytham New York, which is having their inaugural preparation meeting at least this month, with a follow-up meeting next month, which will feature Biota's own Bruce Damer. I think it's going to be mid-month around the 15th to the 18th of October from memory. But if you're in the New York area or alternatively the London area and you would like to assist with the regular months-to-months issues associated with Grace, um, obviously communicating with Adam Aramenko and various other folk in the Boston chapter and also possibly sending news and notes for Biota Live, these kind of things. If that sounds like your area of interest, please get in contact, tom at noble8.com, and I will pass you on to the right people. So the feedback from the last show, again, a lot of feedback. As the listeners increase, the feedback seemed to increase as well. I think there was a general sense that the topic was cut short prematurely, and that was in part due to the hour-long time constraint. It was in part due to the kind of exploration of the components. So it is probably going to be a topic that we are going to revisit. In fact, it's quite topical with regards to this evening's conversation on spore as well. So it will uh, probably go on in the future. I'm not sure whether it will happen after Larry Yeager or whether we'll reorganize and divide sections of it. But there was a kind of logical step through that was slightly avoided in terms of what artificial life actually is. And if artificial life isn't just genetic algorithms, what does it become? Joe, you're on the call, and I have as the next piece of news and notes to congratulate you with regards to the, the PAX conference. But as I have you on, do you want to give a debrief to the biota community about your experience there? Sure. I should probably give a little background on why I was there. So I created a Flash game called Chronotron, which is unfortunately not an A-Life game. It's a, about a, a time, it's a puzzle game about a time-traveling robot. Sort of a platform game where you're able to go into the level and, and interact with it in some way and then go back in time and it records your previous self, so it creates a copy of you, and that copy will do exactly what you just did, and you're able to, uh, you know, use that, like, he'll he'll hold a button down so you can go up an elevator, for instance, and uh, I just built on that sort of time travel self-cooperation element and, and create a bunch of puzzles, and uh, it was selected for, to be one of the PAX 10, which is, uh, PAX is, a, is the Penny Arcade Expo, it's a sort of, it's a video game expo held in Seattle. It had uh, over 50,000 people this year, and they selected uh, 10 independently created games to showcase there, along with all of the big game companies. So uh, um, I was there, and it was, it was an amazing experience. It wasn't like one of the independent games competitions, as much as I've heard. They're kind of kind of cutthroat, like IGF's kind of cutthroat. This was just uh, 10 developers getting together, getting to show off their games, and uh, we actually all got to be pretty good friends. We're trying to keep in touch now. Was it through a popular vote? No, it was a. Uh, there were 50 game industry experts, including Gabe and Tycho of Penny Arcade and various game industry experts. I don't know who the panel was specifically, and they were told to select 10 games 
based on gameplay and fun factor. So some of the, the games weren't necessarily all that polished art-wise, like mine was a, you know, a Flash game. They were told just to judge on gameplay and fun factor. So in terms of the numbers, I posted your photos onto the Biotic Conversations mailing list. For people who didn't see the Flickr photos, there were hardcore gamers, there were cosplay folk. Can you, can you give some descriptions of the kind of people that were there? This was... Uh, Really, at almost all ages, everyone who plays games, casual and then hardcore gamers, were there. A lot of the, the game media was there, too. But it was a, it's a very different mix. I've been to you know conventions like Gen Con before, where it's mostly men, mostly age 18 to 30. This was There were families here. There, were, there was a pretty good balance of men and women. A few cosplayers, but you know just for, just for fun, and it wasn't, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> It's hard to describe, but the, the vibe there is very positive for the most. I mean, I guess it's been more positive in the past from what I've heard. This was sort of people getting a little crowded. There are a lot more people than were expected again this year. But everyone's usually very nice, very willing to help out people. I had both my, my Game Boy or my Nintendo DS and my uh, cell phone slipped out of my pocket, and they were both returned by the way, which isn't right. necessarily you'd expect. The outline that you gave through the conversations mailing list was at the end you'd been handing out stickers and you were horse basically talking to all the people yeah. that were coming up to you. We talked previously in a, in a biota chat with regards to the Flash game, you know, the, the people that play these games, the people that develop these games. Was it different to actually meet these people in person? Did you get a sense of the demographic that you hadn't quite tracked? Definitely. Like, all I know online is how many people have played the game. So, I have a little tracker code in there that, that updates the website. Incidentally, it's about almost 7 million right now. But yeah, it, you got to watch, or I got to watch families come up and play where, you know, the, the middle kid would show his little brother and his dad how to play the game. You got to see people kind of trying out the game, being told what to do, and watch them go from confused to the exact moment they really get the time travel mechanic and their face kind of kind of lights up a little bit. That's very gratifying to see someone, you know, just, just enjoying something you've created. It, yeah, it was definitely, I was definitely hoarse after explaining the game mechanics hundreds of times. So what's the, what's the takeaway for artificial life developers? Should they attend packs and display their wares? Could they attend packs and display their wares? I don't know how much it costs to have a booth at PAX because you're, you're there competing with the big companies. We were smack dab between Sony and Blizzard, so I don't know if they're, I mean, maybe they'll think about having uh, an indie hall in the future if it sort of takes off how, because they, they definitely seem to be willing to support the, the indie game development, but it depends on what kind of financials they have. I mean, if you work in a larger company and you have an A-Life game, I, I certainly don't see any reason why, you know, if you work in a video game industry and you can afford a booth, I definitely recommend trying to go to PAX. If you just like video games, go to PAX and attend because it's amazing. And in terms of corporate interest, I, I know you left with an Xbox 360, but do you get a <laughs> sense of what the corporate interest was? Uh, pretty high. I had I have a stack of business cards from Nintendo and Microsoft and other people a lot of games journalists, they definitely want to at least make contact. And a lot of these indie indie developers were they have their games on Xbox or two of them at least have their games on Xbox Live Arcade. One of them actually, Stranger Factors Two is actually being released by uh, Greenhouse. Stranger Factors Two is being released through Greenhouse. So that's the connection for them right there. Two of the games were uh, student teams and I think those student teams have already been snapped up by various game companies before the conference. But you haven't quit your day job yet. No, I haven't. I'm loyal. <laughs> To my, to my educational uh, programming right now. I have a lot of control of my job, and I'm, I'm trying to promote this idea of educational gaming where 
the learning comes out of the gameplay and isn't sort of just tacked on where the game is. That, you know, it's sort of traditional to have the game as sort of the spoonful of sugar that you take with your learning. And I'm really trying to push for trying and doing things and failing. That's how you learn. That's the best way to learn. I'm sticking to it for now. There's also been some correspondence recently, and I also remember correspondence with regards to flow specifically about what constitutes an artificial life game. This probably comes into the next topic as well, but I was just wondering if you're if your view over the past 18 months has changed about what constitutes an artificial life game. I certainly thought about it a little bit more. I was trying to prototype a sort of artificial life RTS that I'm kind of hung up for now. I'll maybe get back to it, but it's not going to be in the same platform I was thinking. But it doesn't, I don't think that artificial life has to mean genetic algorithms. I think that even just a, you know, it's a simulation, so how much are you simulating? How much of life are you simulating? You obviously can't simulate all of life. Does it really matter if you simulate a little bit and call that artificial life? I don't, I don't really think so. So even a game where you're just gardening, to some extent, if you, if you can garden and grow tomatoes and then harvest seeds from those tomatoes and then grow more tomatoes, that's sort of artificial life, I think. And that kind of game is, you know, amazingly enough, kind of popular right now in some circles. 